It's your allergies. You're not tearing up because it's, it's your allergies. You need clarity. You're need clarity. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Henry. <laughs> no, anyway. Um, yeah, so this video, it's interesting because uh, when I, you know, I usually post pictures of what we're doing for this coming week, you know, like for sermons. And then when I posted this uh, scene, I said, this is like the most touching scene. And finally, I get a chance to use it. And then one of my friends, good friends, uh, actually Rosanna's best, one of her best friends, uh, she's a friend of mine since uh, we were four. Uh, she actually said, like, this is actually one of my favorite scenes I always remember because uh, like my friend, she can't have children. And she's unable to have children. And they've been trying and trying and just gave up. And so it's like, um, it's one of these scenes that just reminds her that, you know, there's more than just having kids. That, you know, there's this relationship of her husband that she could nurture and nourish and treasure. And so, um, however, the reason why I showed the scene is because uh, there's this underlying uh, undertone, too. Remember when he looked at the picture and then, you know, there's this travel, this, uh, you know, like they want to go to those falls, the Paradise Falls, you know, on that thing. And then it never happened, right? And it just kept on lingering, lingering that they never had the finances. Or, and then suddenly his wife dies, right? And then it's still lingering. And that's where it kicks off this movie, right? This whole lingering of trying to fulfill that goal that of her wife. How about us? Do we have that? Do we have this lingering goal or lingering thing that maybe like uh, some of our loved ones that passed on, they told us, do this. And yet it's just like this lingering burden that you're on your shoulders, you have to do it. Still remember there was a scene in Saving Private Ryan, uh, Private Ryan, I mean, and where near the end, Tom Hanks and uh, Matt Damon were face to face each other. Matt Damon was uh, trying to, and then suddenly, uh, and then Tom Hanks was dying, and then he, he was looking at Matt Damon going, pulls him in and goes, earn this. Right? And remember that scene? I don't even remember. He's like, earn this, right? Because he's dying and they earn it. And so then that lingered on. On, onto the uh, Private Ryan, and uh, like until he was like so old, and he had to ask his wife, "Did I really truly earn it? Earn this sacrifice? This linger? This burden? This heaviness? Like, how about sins? Maybe we had a sin in the past that's still lingering. It's that that may still haunt us. That we're hiding it because uh, uh, through our lies, and we're we're kind of putting this facade every time. Maybe to our spouse. Maybe to our friends." There's a sin inside of us that we don't want it to be revealed, but it still lingers and lingers. And yet, chances are, like, sooner or later, it might actually pop out. And then everyone knows. And then what will happen? And then things go past, present, future. Covenant. What does it mean to be in the covenant of God? And, the, and we are now saying, and my argument is, that to be in the covenant of God, to choose to be in the covenant of God, you are free from that burden. There is freedom in God from those burdens. There's freedom from those curses or those sins that we carry in the past, that we can actually reveal them without any fear of any damaged relations because God has it in control. That when we release it, empty our luggage or our suitcase, that we, cannot, we don't need to fear, that our relationships will still be intact, that God will have everything under control, freedom in that. Now, I still remember um, there was another uh, thing about past, and uh, I attended a conference uh, down in the States because it was one of my obligations because they gave me some money to study at Regent. And there was a pastor there, retired, and now he's a professor, and he was talking about this particular pastor that we're actually doing today, Deuteronomy 33. And he said, well, it's my and he said, was sharing about his retirement. He's finally retired from this church that he has served for 30 years, a Chinese church. And then uh, the elders there have been there as long as he has, right? Amazing. Shouldn't they have terms, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> and the elders have been there for as long as he has. And there has been, throughout his whole pastoring, these elders have been a pain in the butt for him. They have caused him anxiety, depression, grief, whatever. Almost broke his marriage down, right? Because these elders were just so demanding of him, on him. And so when the elder says, hey, let's put a party for you. And, and because now you're retiring. And let, like, uh, you get to talk and do a speech in front of the entire congregation of 1,200 people. This is, this is in the States, so it's 1,200 people down there. And then, uh, you know what my uh, professor said, my buddy up, up in the preaching? He said, what a grand opportunity. And then he goes, a grand opportunity to line up all the elders in the front and just tell them off. <laughs> right? You, know, you did this to me. You did this. And then suddenly, <clears throat> right? Like, that's what he wanted to do. You know, like, you suck. You suck. <laughs> you, know, you did this. Because he goes, I'm retired. I got, I got a tenure over there, there at a theological school at Fuller. He's teaching at Fuller. I don't need you guys. <laughs> right? So he said, I was so tempted to do that because of what they did to me, <laughs> right? And then, uh, so past, right? And then he was talking about how being in the covenant of God frees him from that. See, why did I use all these examples? It's because we are now nearing the end of Deuteronomy, and Moses is about to die. He's in his, uh, kind of like near his deathbed type of thing. And, he, and then God says, oh, tell them something, <laughs> right? Give them a blessing or something, right? And then Moses goes, you know, wait a minute. I don't know if you know this, but Moses can't go into the promised land. Right? Remember this? Why? Because it's the very people that pissed him off. Like, the very people pissed him off so badly that he got angry and just blew up. And that's it. He struck the rock. And then God goes, oh, you can't go in. He goes, WTF. <laughs> right? Just because I struck the rock, I can't get into the promised land? And then, uh, and then God says, yep. Well, there's more to it, but it was that incident. These very people journeyed with him for 40 years, whining, complaining, telling him, Moses, you're pathetic. You can't lead us. I want to go home. <laughs> I want to go back to Egypt. This, oh, it's Moses too hot. Moses, I'm hungry. Moses too hot. My sandals are not Nikes, you know? You know, like, you know, it's, it's like this constant complaining. Moses kept on getting it and taking it and taking it and taking it. What do you say to these people near the end of your life? The very people... That, told, like, that took away your opportunity to witness the covenant that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, all that work, did all that work for them, and yet can't go in because of them. What do you say to these people before you go? And that's why my pastor friend, uh, who said, this is where that pivotal moment, can I see God's covenant in a way that releases me from my past, releases me from my sins, or the sins of those who did what they did to me, can I see God's covenant as freedom? Okay, let's go. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33, and let's start with verse 6. Now, interesting enough, this is uh, where Moses lists down the blessings to the various tribes uh, of Israel. Now, it's like this. Jacob's sons are already dead, but he's now referring to the tribes. But uh, usually, like, uh, they identify them by the sons' first names. So as you notice, if you read uh, uh, Deuteronomy 33, you notice that you know, it's a blessing to Reuben, to Judah, to, but it's really to the people of Reuben, the people of Judah, right? Follow? So we are here. Moses is going to speak. And interesting enough, 
if you know your Bibles well, uh, the, these sons were blessed before, right? These sons were blessed before. It was in Genesis where Jacob blessed his sons, you recall, before he died. But so then, what better way to, to start off this sermon than to make comparisons, right? It's the same, so, and there has to be a reason why. So let's go in. First of all, Moses starts off with Reuben. So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 6. Let Reuben live and not die, nor his people be few. Now, I don't know if you, you're, you're, most of you have electronic Bibles, so you could quickly uh, Google or search Reuben. And yet, lo and behold, if you look at Jacob's blessing to Reuben, this is what he said, and it's on to your right side of the slide. Jacob said, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power, turbulent as the waters. You will no longer excel, for you went up onto your, our father's, your father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. What a blessing. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like a switch, right? What happened there? Reuben, the firstborn, should get the blessing, but he lost it from Jacob. Right? Well, if you recall, Reuben slept with, his, with Jacob's concubine. That's what it meant by you defiled my, your father's bed. He actually slept with Jacob's concubine, or wife, you could say. And so Reuben, Reuben all throughout his generations, have been living with that curse, that Jacob blessing, what Jacob has said, that sin that could never go away, right? Like if you look through his history in an entire Genesis and Exodus, you notice that Reuben has always been just this unfortunate person, the last of everything. It's like uh, even in Egypt, when Joseph was there, Reuben has just been no man's land, right? Anonymous. It's because of this curse. It's very artistic of our writers here that they just kept on emphasizing that Reuben has just lost it, has lost his blessing as a firstborn because of this overhanging sin that he committed way back. Maybe he didn't know better. Maybe he was a teenager, this had too high of a hormonal, you know, but one bad decision kept on lingering. How about yourselves? Do you, do you sometimes feel that way? One bad decision, and it just keeps on hanging and hanging and hanging. It's sort of like my um, <clears throat> university record, you know? <laughs> you know, you fail one course and it's forever hanging, hanging in that stupid transcript, right? Right? It's sort of like that. So Reuben here, he gets now, this whole tribe gets a blessing from Moses. And then if you read it again, let's not read it again here, Moses. What does he say compared to Jacob? Let Reuben live and not die, nor his people be few. Folks, that's a blessing, a true blessing to revert this whole thing. For the longest time, Reuben has been saying, oh, am I going to end? Is this it? This whole tribe is saying, are we going to pay for our forefathers like uh, curses? Is this it? We're just going to be dead and we're, we're not getting any land from this. We're not going to take advantage of this whole covenant. Are we outside of the covenant now? God says otherwise. God, through Moses, affirms Reuben, no, you're forgiven. You're free. No more will this one bad mistake that you have will haunt you ever again. In fact, you will be many. You'll never be few. You'll flourish. Notice that turn. What does that say to these entire people? What does that say to you? Let's say you made that bad mistake. And God says, no more. What mistake? I can't remember. i like, you remember that? I don't even know if you did it or not. That's what God would tell you. You're in my covenant now. You're forgiven. Now go, 
be free. What a blessing. That is a blessing. What an encouragement that God has such grace, immense grace and mercy, that even that one, this long hanging, 40, like more than 40 years, like a 100-year-old curse, is now lifted from this tribe. What a blessing. Now let's move on. Let's now let's take a look at Judah. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 7. And this he said about Judah. Hear, Lord, the cry of Judah. Bring him to his people with his own hands. He defends his cause. Oh, be his help against his foes. What did Jacob say, though? In Genesis, Genesis if you look at the, to the right, Jacob gives a whole long chunk of space. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son, like a lion who crouches and lies down, like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay? That's lot. And we know that in the line of Judah came David, right? King David. And we know in the line of King David that came Jesus. We know that Judah's line is already blessed. Why did I pick this uh, particular passage here? Why did I compare it? Notice how much Moses acknowledged Judah. Two sentences. Notice how much Jacob put it. Look at all that. I want to tell you this. My mom, firstborn woman in a Chinese family of five kids. Do you know who was favored? The only son. No matter how much my mom tried, her hardest to, to just stick out. She was the first one to study at UBC, the first one to, to get a job, the first one to try to go against the grain, to be the woman that she wants to be, and yet she was never acknowledged by my grandfather. Never. Because she's a woman. All her aunts, no matter how successful they are, some of you know my other aunt that I shared a little bit about her, Right? No matter how much they tried. I even remember back in the day when I was like a, a kid and all our cousins were playing, we heard arguments saying, this, our dad always favors you, right? Always favors you, right? They, they, they just argue, right, because of that. How many of you feel that way too in your families, that you get overlooked? That, you, that sometimes you're like, how much can you do, right? Even if their parents are not even around, they, they're, they're, they're just this overhang of, not being worth it, not being worthwhile, or not, not having a meeting the standards of your parents or your grandparents or the values that they expect you to. That overhanging, that whole performance lie that you've been lied to, that you have to meet up to your, uh, well, to my mom, it's like, you have to meet up to your brother. You have to be, like, uh, you have to try to get up there. Well, now you know where my mom's at. So, like, how about us? Do we have that linger? that burden of expectation? Do we sometimes lie to ourselves about this performance thing? Notice what Moses did. In God's eyes, when you are in the covenant of God, everyone is valued equally. Judah, even though he was owed this accolade and everything that Jacob did, Moses brought him way down. You notice that? He took like all this chunk and just went, Burr. yeah, you're blessed. We know that. Move on, <laughs> right? That, that's pretty much what Moses did. Yeah, we know that you're there. Yeah, okay. And then also, what does he say? You still need help though, dude. <laughs> you know, like, what was that? He humbled Judah, that tribe. That tribe was really stuck up, but he humbled Judah, that whole tribe. 
And so this gives us hope, especially us who always get compared by others, by our parents, that in God's eyes, our true father in heaven, he doesn't compare. No, he will bring those guys that are prideful down and bring the humble up. Next one. Let's go on to our favorite one is Levi. Now, I don't know if you know the story of Levi, but let's just uh, read what Moses said about Levi. Moses goes in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 8. About Levi, he said, your thumb and thumb them. Thumb them. Sorry, it's like my allergies are not happening. Thumb them and Urim belong to your faithful servant. You tested him at Massa, you contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and hold burnt offerings on your altar. Bless all his skills, Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Strike down those who rise against him, his foes, till they rise no more. But what did Jacob say early before that? Verse 5. Simeon, Levi, are brothers, their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. You're out of here. That's what Jacob said. You're out of here. I don't even see you as my sons. Let me not join their assembly, for they kill men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they please. Cursed be their anger, so fierce and their fury, so cruel, I will scatter them in Jacob and disturb, disperse them in Israel. That was Jacob's blessing to, to Levi and Simeon. Meaning your dad basically told you off and said, goodbye, you're not my kids anymore. If you were in their tribes, what would you feel? You would go, ooh, right? Like, as you go along the 40 years, and you go, uh, when are they going to kick us out? You know? Any rumors? <laughs> you know, this whole anxiety. You know, these eggshells, right? Like, uh, you go, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. What am I going to do? Is, like, is it going to happen? Is this going to happen now? Is it going to happen now? You know, that, that just anxiety. Because if you recall, I don't know if you recall, but Simeon and Levi did something that, I, like, for some would say bad, but really, you couldn't blame them. Here's what happened. These 12 brothers had one little sister, the youngest, named Dinah. Dinah went off and uh, did some mall shopping, quote, unquote, right? She just went off on a vacation to a, to a next door city. And she got raped by the prince uh, of the ruling uh, royalty there. And when she got raped and she came back, she told her brothers. And the only two brothers that cared were Simeon and Levi. They got so angry because they go, how dare you violate my sister? All big brothers do that to their little sister, <laughs> right? We all come to their aid, right? I, I know a lot of my friends who are older brothers of little sisters, and they are so protective of their little sister. So Simeon and Levi did what Simeon and Levi would do, big brothers do. They would go to their dad and say, you've got to avenge this. Go, dad. Tell them that they're wrong. Jacob, if you know the history of Jacob, he's a chicken doesn't do that. Fears that it's going to like spark off war, right? And et cetera, et cetera. He didn't trust God in this. And so Simeon and Levi goes, no, this is wrong. So what did they do? They tricked the royalty, had them all circumcised, all the men circumcised. While they were in pain, Simeon and Levi just took swords and just wiped them all out. This whole nation wiped out. And then uh, Jacob gave this curse, saying, how dare you? You shouldn't have done this. You're putting out blood on my hands, blah, blah, blah. You know, trying to not take responsibility of it. And so Simeon and Levi did the right thing, 
but was cursed for it. How many of you have ever experienced that? You did the right thing. You thought you were doing the right thing. You thought that you were doing it for the good of everyone. But then suddenly somebody, or like maybe our parents, would say, no, <laughs> right? No, you're wrong. And it overhangs you. And then you're afraid to do the right thing ever again. You know, afraid to take initiative ever again because you got blasted for it. Ever felt that way? You know, like, ever felt that, no, I, I, like, it's the right thing to do. No, you, no, because I didn't say so, you don't do it. I say, like, you do what I say, right? You know, that, that whole thing. So it's like, so what does it mean to be in God's covenant? Well, look at what happened with Simeon and Levi. If you know the history, the people of Levi combined and joined forces with Simeon, and they became the priests of Israel. And what happened during Golden Calf Gate? You know, <laughs> you're, you chuckled, you're the only one that chuckles, uh, because that's in our time period. Okay, what happened to Golden Calf? Well, Moses says, if anyone turns against God, the, 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 all the Levites, you take up swords and kill them. And if it's your family that turn away from God, you kill them too. Guess what they did? They did it. They, they saw God above all family. They honored God. They obeyed God. And, they, and this is characteristic of Levi. This is characteristic of Simeon. They uphold honor. They uphold honor for the sake of honor and loyal to God only. Even though their, their dad way back says, no, you do what I say. Simeon and Levi says, no, I do what God tells me to do. And they honor him. Even though, if you think about it, it's pretty gruesome when you're killing your own family members because God told you to. And now, what did they say? What did Moses tell them? They're uplifted. They're honored because of it. Moses gave a lengthy blessing to them, reestablishing that God did not ignore what you did. God does not ignore our obedience. Folks, I know that some of you are here, and I know you know some people around. We, we as Christians, we are, some, we are children of, to some parents that say they're Christian or not Christian at all. And they always demand our loyalty. And they sometimes demand our loyalty to disobey God. And maybe we are in the shoes of Levi, that we get cursed. But we sometimes get threatened to say, no, you're going to be out of the inheritance or you're not my son anymore or daughter anymore. When we're in God's covenant, we're his children. And he honors our obedience. He honors our obedience. He uplifts us. You follow? Now let's go on to the cute, adorable little Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin has always been the wild card, right? If you uh, notice, uh, he's been pushed around. He's been used as a ransom. <laughs> you know, he's been, he's been used as like a ransom too, and he's been used as a barter of a trade in Egypt, you know, when Joseph did that whole thing. So let's look at it. If you know, let's look at what uh, Moses said about Benjamin. Benjamin, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in, you, in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. And what did Jacob say? Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. Benjamin was Jacob's favorite son as, uh, uh, versus, uh, uh, and as well as Joseph. But Benjamin was really valuable. You know, the bo boy. You know, like, I, bet, I bet his Chinese name is Bo. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, that, that, that just holds it. Uh, I don't, you know, it's just Bo, right? Uh, I cut Bo. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it's like, it's like you know, uh, so he was really precious. And you know what? 
the way he describes it, Jacob, he describes his son as kind of a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, it kind of sounds like a spoil rotten kid. Right? It does, right? It sounds like a man, he has become a little, like, spoiled somebody from Rivendale. <laughs> no, Riverdale, you know, like, you know, just, yeah, anyway. All right, so, and then Moses goes and says, and what does Moses say about the, uh, Benjamin then? Well, here it is. It's interesting. It's really different. He goes, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one that the Lord loves rests between shoulders. You know, it's funny because I, I've seen uh, siblings, the youngest ones, they always fight for the parents' love, right? Even though they know that they're like the precious, right? The bow, but they still fight, right? They still fight. They still want to qualify. I was, uh, and also even at work, right? Like uh, we may not be uh, the youngest siblings, but we're like the fresh person in there, right? We're like the rookie, right? And uh, we tend to want to, we kind of want to make, make to be known that we're capable, we're fully capable. And so this blessing here is a little different. Moses, God, through Moses, tells his tribe, all along you've been trying to strive to, you know, be yourself, to, make, uh, to match the expectations that other people have on you, to qualify that care that you have, the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the value that you have. Well, God, through Moses, says, in my covenant, you'll find rest. You no longer have to match. You no longer have to live up to the standards and expectations of it. You don't have to feel that you are undeserved of the love that you received. Because sometimes, as a younger, as the youngest, or even as a, you are valued somewhat, and you feel, do I deserve this? Do I even deserve all this uh, like uh, praise and this you know benefits that these people are getting? And God says, you don't have to worry about that. Actually, God says, that's my provision on you. In my covenant. As long as you remain in my covenant, you're free from that burden of trying to you know, match that. You don't have to live up to the expectations of what others have put on you. And, and you know what? That's a lie. If you feel that you have to match that, God says, no, you're already a child of mine. You don't need to. And then we go on, and then uh, if you want to continue on to look at the other tribes, you notice that uh, Moses acknowledges uh, the various uh, people, and he blesses them with various duties, right? Trade, fishing, etc. So why did I just go through the certain tribes here to close? Like I said, all of us carry some baggage of history. Some of, uh, many of us have probably made some bad decisions in our lifetime. So, and sometimes like, uh, we also ha uh, have other people <laughs> rehashing history on us, right? And saying, oh, like, um, we've invested so much in you. You're like our little baby, right? You should do what I say, <laughs> right? That type of thing. You're our valuable, right? Or like uh, one time, like, Rosanna has a cousin, and he's like the golden child, <laughs> right? Like, you got to meet up these expectations. How much burden is that to be called a golden child, right? That's a lot of burden. Even though you think that, other people may think that you're so opportune, like, hey, this is a great opportunity to be a golden child. But then think about what it means to the child, right? How does a child feel? So all this past, this history, the sins, the, the bad decisions that we made, or even the, living the decisions of others, or the final words of people say, you got to do this, right? You owe me, right? Before they leave the, the planet, you know, before they die, they, they, they would say, you owe me? That's like the worst thing ever to, to say to somebody. You know, but it happens. I know a few people that, you know, be, like the parents, like they were about to die and they go, earn this, <laughs> right? What? How do you feel? 
this whole sense of owing, this whole sense of matching, the whole sense of living up to people's expectations. Yet God here does not rehash any history through Moses in these blessings. If you look through this whole blessing, especially Reuben, especially Levi, there's no rehash of history. God didn't say, oh, like, uh, I'll bring this up. And uh, like God said, God didn't do that. God says, what? You did that? I don't even remember. When we enter in God's presence, when we enter into God's covenant, and we say, God, you know that bad decision I made? God would say, what decision? What? You did that? I can't remember. He blotted it out. That's what it means when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our sins are blotted. God does not remember. God does not remember what others say about you. What he does see is that you are his child. What he does see is a child that he died for, that he dearly loved. And that is something that we can hold on to. What he also does is that the grand scheme of things, this awesome life that he has for us, is never compromised by our bad decisions. God is God. Yes, we may make bad decisions going forward, but this great commission that he has for us, this life that he has laid out for us already, he says, just remain in the covenant. Go back. Repent. Confess. Come back to God. Remain in his covenant. And your, your life, your full life that's waiting for you far outweighs those little mistakes that you made. He'll redeem you. He'll continue to call you his child. Your past, he'll forget. Every time we feel this burden of saying, God, how can you forgive me for this? Or I did this, or this pair of my, my mom said this to me, and I, I was like, no. God says, you're my child, the one I died for you. I love you so much, don't worry about that stuff. You have a bigger, I have a bigger life waiting for you ahead of you. Amen?